Good morning, Orangewood. Fall has arrived. We've got to have an amen with that, huh? We almost had church outside in the early service. We were that close. I mean, is it not beautiful? Did we not wait all year for this? Thank you, Lord Jesus. A cool morning. That is awesome. Hey, yesterday I had the privilege with being with a sea of humanity. And I'm telling you, it was a sea of humanity. 90,000 folks uh, up in a place they call Gator Nation uh, for a thing they call game day. And by the way, yeah, yeah, Yahoo. I know you're cheering because those people need Jesus up there bad. I'm just telling you, man. Wow. It was a mission field. I'm like, Lord, man, I'm close to Sodom and Gomorrah. I, I, was, with, I was with one of our, our deacons. He says, Jeff, if we lift up a man cover, we're going to be seeing hell. And so uh, um, now he wasn't being, he was just being funny. So anyway, I don't have the chance usually because of my, my job uh, to do that very often. And, but to be a part of game day was pretty exciting. But we're a part of the Lord's day. I'm telling you, we, we are a part of the Lord's day. God is here with us. And, and this is a day that he has set aside to, uh, to worship him and be reminded of who he is and what he's done for us and, and that we're family with him. So I'm telling you, there may have been 90,000 there. And there, I mean, think this was, that was really a loud place, but game day can't compete to the Lord's day. Amen. I mean, just to know the reality that we're loved and we're his. I mean, I, come on. It's, it's, the Lord's day, it's awesome. So it really is. Hey, let me pray for us on this Lord's day as we begin. Father, I am so grateful that I am incapable of doing any good on my own because it makes me stand before you and before your people and plead that you would come and be with us and speak through one who is incapable of doing any good on my own for your glory and the advancement of your kingdom and the joy and the health of your people. But God, you love to do your work, your beautiful, reviving, glorious work through those who are incapable like us to do good apart from you. So God, we would ask that you would come and, and through the reading and the preaching of your word, that you'd be so visible, that we would see your goodness and that you would be so much here with us that we could just like taste the goodness of God. That we would be changed and transformed into the goodness of Jesus. That we would be motivated to love you and, and love others and, and walk out of here in obedience and love to the one who is good and to the one who is faithful, to the one who is Lord and to the one who is King, and to the one who is God. Only you could do that. So come, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, where do you, where do you find your joy? Where do you find your joy? Where, where do you go uh, uh, to find your joy? And how, how often do you find it? I mean, is joy something elusive to you? Or is it something that, man, you got it all the time? Uh, where do you go? I mean, is joy uh, found in someone? Is joy found in something? Are you one of those people that 
You got to work really, really hard to be joyful. It just doesn't seem to come naturally. Like every day you got to wake up and grind to see if you can find some joy. Or are you one of those people who just wake up, woohoo, and, and it's just right there. And joy is just part of your journey. You're probably not liked by a lot of people, but you're blessed. But you really, that should be all of us in Christ Jesus. Paul says, Paul says that he has found, and he's found in Jesus, uh, joy in the journey of life. As a matter of fact, uh, Paul will say this. Uh, Paul says he's discovered a secret. And it's a secret of contentment. Paul says, you know, I, I've learned to be content with a lot. And I've learned to be content with a little. And I don't know about you, but I'm often not content with either. When I have a lot, it's usually like, Lord, just a little bit more. I mean, just a little bit more and, I, and I'll be really, really content. Or even like days like today. Gosh, if we could have a few more days like this, you know, God, it'd be so much better. Or if it can this last a little longer? I mean, I can't even usually find contentment in the good stuff. I'm usually grumbling it's not good enough. Or grumbling it's not lasting long enough. But, but Paul, Paul had this encounter with Jesus that, that not only was he able to find joy and contentment with enough, uh, it was when he had nothing, he found joy. When he had very, very little, he, he found contentment. Contentment in the journey of life. That in a lot of us would look at his life and say, man, talk about a life marked with trouble. I mean, talk about difficulty. I mean, talk about beatings and, and being in prison and, and life going the wrong way. He, he found joy in all of that because he found joy in a relationship with Jesus. He had a, an amazing encounter with him. It changed everything. And because of that, he found joy in the journey. Well, Paul wrote a letter to a church that he had started, a church in Philippi uh, called Philippians. He had started that church. He didn't plan on starting it. I mean, God had a way of getting him there, but we'll get to that in a moment. Philippi was a Roman colony. It was named, uh, Alexander the Great named it after his father, Philip. And it was on Paul's second missionary journey that he traveled there. And, and Paul had other plans, but isn't this true of God? Do you have plans that God all of a sudden interrupts and changes? And Paul thought he planned his, his journey, but God moved his steps in the right direction. And Paul, Paul wrote a letter back to a church he started that we're going to start studying today. And he wrote a letter to this church that he loved and that he started. And he wrote the letter while he was in prison. Think about that. Think about writing a letter with shackles on. Being in prison, probably in Rome. And what's amazing about the letter that he writes to those he loves in the church of Philippi is it's a letter absolutely filled with joy. It's a letter that he's so joyful of who he is in Christ and what Christ has done for him. And he tells us in this letter of this amazing secret that it's unfolded of contentment and joy, no matter what your circumstances. Can you imagine that? I mean, think about it. Not having your circumstances being able to shape or touch your joy, but having something inside, something because of a relationship with God in Christ that is secure. That's what Paul told about. He says that we too can have joy in the journey and joy in Jesus. And it's become this little letter that he wrote to a church that he started filled with joy. It's become known as the letter of Philippians. And we'll be studying that. You know, I'm, I'm always 
I'm, I'm always so proud to introduce you as my church family to, to others in the community. Well, almost always am I proud to introduce you to people in the community. You probably say that about me too. But, you know, I, when I tell the story, I, I love to say, you know, this is Sid. And let me tell you about Sid and his, his journey to Christ. And, and let me tell you what God has done in his life. Because I, I love being able to share the stories of real people like you. This is Bill, and he's my neighbor. And, you know, he flew in World War II. And, and it's amazing what God has done in his life. And, and I just love being able to say, this is Chris. Let me tell you Chris's story. Well, God tells us the story of the church at Philippi for us today. Day. It's amazing. Uh, the the uh, writer, the gospel, uh, the writer Luke, who wrote the gospel of Luke, also wrote the book of Acts. And he tells us about real people that Paul came in contact that the gospel changed for the church of Philippi. So I've asked Zach if he will read for us this morning a large section of the book of Acts and a little bit of Philippians so we can be introduced to these people. But there's three things that we'll see as you hear this story, that we'll see as we continue this morning, that the gospel begins and ends with God. The good news of what God has done for us, not the good news of what we do for God, but the good news of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, we'll see the gospel begins and ends with God. And we'll see why that should bring us a lot of joy. We'll see the gospels for all. It's for the religious, the demonic. We'll see that it's even for the irreligious. And we'll see the gospel gives us joy in the journey. So Zach, if you'll please come up and read for us. Thank you. All right, let's hear God's story as found in Acts 16. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at the time. Then coming to the borders of Messiah, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Messiah to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. We boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across to the island of Samothrace. And the next day we landed at Neapolis. From there we reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. And we stayed there for several days. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. And we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. She was baptized along with other members of her household and she asked us to be her guest. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a demon-possessed slave girl. She was a fortune teller who earned a lot of money for her masters. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. 
This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and he said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us as Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. And the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten and they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into the house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. The next morning, the city officials sent the police to tell the jailer, let those men go. So the jailer told Paul, the city officials have said you and Silas are free to leave. Go in peace. But Paul replied, they have publicly beaten us without a trial and put us in prison. And we are Roman citizens. So now they want us to leave secretly? Certainly not. Let them come themselves to release us. When the police reported this, the city officials were alarmed to learn that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. So they came to the jail and apologized to them. Then they brought them out and begged them to leave the city. When Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned to the home of Lydia. There they met with the believers and encouraged them once more. Then they left town. Now hear these words that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This letter is from Paul and Timothy. Slaves of Christ Jesus. I am writing to you all of God. I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the elders and deacons. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make request for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, 
will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. This is God's word. Thank you, Zach. You notice I give him all the tough words to say. He did a great job. What a great story. We need to begin with this amazing story is to see the gospel begins and ends with God. This amazing good news that God tells us he's for us and he's loved us and he's rescued us through his son is this gospel begins, it continues and ends with God. The first thing we see is this, is God is in control of all of the circumstances. Isn't it kind of interesting when you, you heard that story being read that it said that, that twice the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of Jesus kept Paul from doing what he thought he was supposed to do. I mean, Paul thought, hey, I'm going to go back to the churches I start and I'm going to encourage them. But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says, uh-uh, you're not doing this. I have another plan for you. You're going to head this way. What does that look like? I got to confess, I have no idea. I mean, it says when the Holy Spirit is going to stop you from going this way or, or keep you from going that way, I, I don't really know what it looked like in Paul's life. But I know this, that typically in my life, it's, it's really through circumstances. It's through those things that you don't necessarily see clearly the hand of God, but the hand of God is there. It's a, a misflight. It's, it's a, a mistrain. It's a wrong turn. It's a canceled appointment. It's something that comes up that kind of blows up your schedule. And you don't know why necessarily, but it's there. And Paul realized, and, and maybe it was more clear for Paul. I mean, maybe it was really he was restrained from going in this direction. But it's kind of interesting. And then you see how God is in control of the circumstances as well. He prays. I'm sorry, he dreams. He has a dream. And, and in this dream... He sees a guy from Macedonia pleading, saying, will you come here and help me? How do you know he's from Macedonia? I mean, what does he have a shirt on that says Macedonia? You know, like, like their, 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 their football team or something? I mean, how do you know? It's so funny. Somebody came out of the early service looking like they really knew the answer. Well, they're from Greek. He probably had hair on his back. I said, you got issues. Gross. But listen, something... That, that was happening in Paul's schedule in life, twice the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of Jesus kept him from going one way. And through a dream, he realized that God was calling him another way. And really what this tells us is, it reminds us that the gospel does begin and end with God because God is in control. Listen, God is in control of each and every circumstance of our lives. There is not one circumstance that will come into our lives that hasn't passed through God's hands. I mean, the God of, of the Bible, the living true God, is a God who's in control of all of his creatures and all of their actions. That's who God is. Now you may say, well, let me think about this for a minute, Jeff. You say that God is in control of all his creatures and all their actions. Some of our actions are sinful. I mean, some of our actions are, are, are wrong. I, I mean, so is, is, is it not that, they, hey, the devil made me do it? God made me do it. Couldn't help it. God's in control of all things, and I'm his, following his plan, and he's restraining and doing things. So God is culpable for sin. No, he's not. God is holy. He's so holy. He can't even look at sin. 
God would never lead us in, in a way that, that's intentionally uh, for, for sin that he would be culpable for. That we are responsible for the decisions we make. We're responsible for the, for the sin that we choose. And yet God is in control of all things. Have I clarified that for you? Shake your head no. It's a mystery there. It's true. And I believe it. I submit myself to the authority of God's word and the authority of God. There's not one circumstance in your life, even right this very moment, that God is not in control of. Listen, if, if, if that were true, if there are things outside of God's control, we got some really bad news. We, got, we don't have an all-powerful God. We don't have an all-sufficient God. We got, a, we got a rogue out there more powerful than God, and that's not true. You see, God is the Lord of the gospel. He is, uh, uh, it's all about him from beginning to end. Why? Because he's in control of all circumstances. What has God done for you, for you to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? What circumstances did he bring into your life? Maybe through a grandmother, maybe through a parent, maybe through a friend. And maybe just even being here today, I, I don't know why you're here and what your story is, but I can promise you this, is that there's a God who is active behind everything that is happening. God is in control of all the circumstances. Second thing is this, is God is the one who opens the hearts. God is the one who opens hearts. Isn't it interesting when we find Lydia, what Lydia is doing? Uh, Lydia, I mean, Lydia, it says a little bit about her, but the little it tells us about her is someone you want to hang out with. I mean, Lydia sounds like she's got her act together. She's a woman dealing in purple, which means she probably has a little bit of coin, uh, a little bit of money, um, dealing in purple, uh, usually dealing with an upper class. She's a woman of prayer. I mean, when Paul goes to town, Philippi was probably not a big enough colony to have a synagogue. He typically goes to the synagogue. They probably didn't have a quorum for a synagogue. So where they go, they went to the place of prayer down by the river. And there you find Lydia. And there's somebody that's, that's doing what? Praying. This is a religious good woman. But you see, the gospel does something that religion never could do. We got to get this. The gospel opens up Lydia's heart. You see, sin so affects our hearts, and we're born this way by nature. Sin so affects our hearts that by nature, our our hearts are stony. Our our hearts do not even have the ability to, to believe the gospel. I mean, the amazing good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is this, is that God is so gracious and it begins and ends with him that for us to even understand what Jesus has done for us, the first thing that God must do is do heart surgery. He must remove a a heart of stone, an unbelieving heart, and give us a heart of flesh. Ezekiel 36 verse 26 says exactly that, that God removes our heart of stone, gives us a heart of flesh, a a heart that was able to beat for him and embrace him. Uh, It's amazingly gracious that God gives us this ability. If you have your Bibles, you may want to look at Philippians 129 or circle that. I, I chose this passage to underscore that it's God who opens our hearts. Because in the book of Philippians 1.29, it says this, For it has been granted to you, which means it's a gift to you, not something you deserve. It's been granted to you not only to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, amazingly, but also to suffer for him. You know what that's saying? 
That's saying that if you have faith that Jesus is Lord and Savior, if you have faith that Jesus is God's own son, if you have faith to believe those words we read out of Colossians, that everything was created by him, for him, held together for him, if you believe in Jesus Christ, if you have that faith, it was given to you. It's a gift that dead hearts dead in their trespasses and sins, do not even have the capacity to embrace Jesus as Lord and Savior. So we should be in awe of a gospel so filled with grace, that it is God and God alone who orchestrates our circumstances, that it's God and God alone who opens up our hearts to understand. Lydia was a wonderful person, a God-fearing person, but the gospel did something for her religion never could. Open up her heart. I hope you're not here today thinking that religion will provide something for you that will allow you to be able to someday stand in God's holy gaze um, uh, on your own. If so, you think way too low of him and way too high of yourself. Okay, so God opens hearts because this gospel is all about him. Also, God always finds his sheep. I mean, rejoice in the story. See where God found some of his sheep, even one who is a a jailer in Philippi. Jesus said this. He says, I have come to seek and to save the who? The lost. He says, I've come to seek and to save the lost. And I love how we started uh, the service today. If you were here on time and heard it, we started from John 10, part of our reading uh, that we're supposed to be reading together. So if you really love Jesus, you're right there. Now, he he does love all of us. But anyway, uh, it says that he is a good shepherd. And he is a, he, that's what he is. And this good shepherd came to look to seek and to save his sheep, the lost. How'd he do? Did he find most of them? Is he, is he batting over a, a 50-50? Is he at the Mendoza line? You know, I mean, how many of the lost sheep did Jesus find? If he came to seek and to save the lost, I mean, wouldn't you rejoice if he found half of them? I mean, how incredible he found three quarters of them. What if Jesus batted 90% and came to find the lost? And man, he looked everywhere and 90% he, came, he brought home. You know what scripture says about the work of Christ Jesus when he came to seek and save the loss of his sheep? You ready for this? He found them all. All of them. He's not going to lose one. Not one is going to get away from his love. Not one is going to get away from his grasp. Not one is going to be so far, so lost that he couldn't get there. He gets them all. You know, to me, the saddest flag that I'll ever see in our country is a black flag with a soldier on it. Uh, it's, it's missing in action. It's, it's a flag that reminds us that, that we have sent into the battle um, those who have never come back. Uh, we've sent some in the battle whose stories are incomplete. We don't know what happened to them. We don't know if they're even alive or, or dead. And, and our troops want to be remembered. And so we have a flag that says missing in action. Uh, those who uh, we just don't know, we just couldn't get, we just don't know how their story ended. In the kingdom of God, there is no MIA flag. In the kingdom of God, there is none that will be missing in action. 
All the Father has given to the Son. The Son came to rescue. He says, nothing is going to be able to take them out of my hands. Absolutely nothing. I will lose not a one sheep. God's people said, amen. You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ begins and ends with God. It begins with God because he's in control of all of our circumstances. It begins with God because he and he alone is the one who opens our hearts. Religion doesn't do it. God's grace in the gospel does it. It begins and ends with God because God is the one who always finds his sheep and he keeps them all. It begins and ends with God because, listen to this, God completes what he starts. Do you know that about God? God always finishes what he starts. Philippians 1.6 says this, He who began the good work in us, who is the one who began the good work in us, was God. He orchestrated the circumstances. It's God. He opened up our hearts. It's God. He even gave us the gift of faith. What a God. But not only that, he's the one who will make sure we're going to make it home. Let me tell you what this means. Right now, if you are his by God's grace, right now, if you are a a sheep that he has come to rescue, ultimately, you will see him face to face. Ultimately, you will be like him. And it doesn't matter your grip on him, ultimately. You're not going to lose him. Because he's not going to lose you. Oh, there's times in your life that your life might be so spiraling and so in pain and decay that you might even want to let go of God. And if you're truly his sheep, he'll never let go of you. God finishes what he starts. My life is littered with undone projects. How about yours? My life's littered with it. Things I start, start with good intentions, start with a lot of motivation, and then something happens. I mean, I usually lose interest. Usually uh, I realize, oops, got into something a little bit bigger than I thought. This is a little bit more than I bargained for. It's more costly, more energy, or it just doesn't satisfy. I'm not really enjoying it. So move on to some new, fresher projects that I could eventually start and leave undone. You're looking at a world-class starter. Not a great finisher. How about you? Do you know that God has no projects left undone, not a one. Do you know that God will never lose interest in you if you're his? Listen, he'll never lose interest in you. I mean, God's not gonna someday say, you know what, I have tried and tried and tried and they are such knuckleheads. I'm gonna put them over here in the shelf. Get rid of that sheep a little bit there and move on to greener pastures. How many times have you given God reason to put you on the shelf, to throw up his nail-pierced hands and say, Don, I'm finished already. I mean, get over it. I mean, you're you're so hard-headed. You don't seem to ever get it. Let me tell you some amazingly good news is God always finishes what he starts. And God has never met a sheep that is so smelly and so wandery and so, so wrong and so sinful that he throws up his hands and says, you know what, I'm moving on to another project. The gospel of Jesus Christ begins and ends with God. And what an amazing God who will orchestrate our circumstances, who will open up our hearts, who finds his sheep, and he never lets them go. There should be joy that's welling up in your heart right now. If you're getting this, I mean, if God's speaking right now, you should be getting this and saying, oh my goodness, this salvation thing's all about God. 
Oh my goodness. It's not even, man, I just get so much, but he gave so much and I'm out of the equation. This is grace. And this is amazing grace. It starts with him. It continues with him. It ends with him. This is basically saying that joy will be found in Jesus no matter what your circumstances. No matter what now you're shackled to. No matter what prison you find yourself in. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's relational. I I don't know. Maybe it's emotional. But the bottom line is who we are in Christ is we're beloved. We're his. And he's not changing his mind. Circumstances aren't going to find that. Such good news. The gospel begins and ends with God. Secondly, the gospel is, is for all. It's, it's for all. It's for whoever will follow Jesus. It's for all. Stick with me. Some of you are saying, what are you saying, Jeff? Listen to this. It's for all. It's for the religious. It's for Lydia. I mean, it's for the one who was a religious good person that realized that she radically needed a savior. You know, the hardest people to get the gospel are, are religious people. I mean, the hardest people really sometimes understand that, that you need to become a new creation, that your righteousness is not enough to stand before God, that the only way we're accepted in God's eyes is through the blood of the Son of God and robed in his righteousness. Religious people sometimes are bamboozled to think that they are, their worth is wrapped up in their religion. That somehow they've, they've said the right prayer, got confirmed in the right church, got baptized by the right person, and grew up somehow in the right home, and somehow they're in. Let me tell you, if you think your religion is going to save you, you think way too high yourself. You don't understand the depravity and the darkness of your heart. And you think way too low of God. He's holy. He doesn't wink at sin. He only accepts perfection. You know that about God, I hope. He he can't accept you apart from spotless lamb. It's the only way. It's the only way. So it's for the religious. And oh, how the religious need Jesus. It's for the demonic. I mean, how about this girl that, that, that was following around Paul and Silas, screaming out, saying, hey, these fellows right here, they're telling you how to get saved. Hey, these fellows right here. I mean, I mean, think about this girl. Just think about her life, by the way. I mean, controlled somehow by a demon that some men found out a way. This is a good way to make money. Let's don't pray for this girl. Let's don't help this girl. Let's, let's exploit this girl. Let's line our pockets with what she can say. And so, so here she is, I mean, just in her bondage, and I don't know exactly what that looked like. And here she is following around guys and screaming out, these guys are here to tell you how to be saved. I think that's like the coolest thing ever. I would love for someone to come in here sometime and say, that man right there is telling you how to be saved. Listen to him. I'd be saying, amen, sister. Bring it on. These people need to listen. But something happened that Paul got a little irritated with this girl following around screaming. He turns around and says, in the name of Jesus, demonic spirit, get out of her. You know, the gospel is powerful enough. You know, when Jesus speaks, demons flee. You know that, right? You know, he's the strongest, most powerful authority. Isn't it good news that the gospel is is more powerful than anything this world has to offer? 
And so let's look, go back to the girl's story. I mean, here, here now, here are her masters. They rejoice that the girl's been set free from a demon. They rejoice that her life has now uh, been, been restored and, and healed in, in some capacity. No, they don't. They don't care. They, it's all about themselves. They say, you know what? Dang, now we're going to lose some money. <clears throat> we're going to lose money and it's going to affect our bottom line. So these, these, these idiots who follow Jesus, we got to deal with them. We got to throw them in prison. And remember I said, God is responsible for all the circumstances that are unfolding. And don't you want to start yelling at God saying, God, you're the one who brought Paul there. God, he just released this girl from, a, from the demon. And now you're going to have him pay the price by being sent to prison? Are you kidding me? What are you thinking, God? Well, let me tell you something. There was a sheep there that needed to be saved. He happened to be a jailer. And God's going to find his man, right? Even through demon-possessed girls that are screaming out to Paul. I mean, even those men who are such lousy men that are exploiting demonic girls and causing Paul and Silas to be thrown in prison, God's plan still unfolds. Count it joy. See it as beautiful. Be amazed of what God does. You see, the gospel is for all. It's for the religious that are his. It's for the demonic. I don't know if this girl came to Christ. I don't know if she embraced Jesus as her Lord and Savior. I, I kind of think, how can you not? You just heard the name of Jesus heal you in amazing ways. How do you not? So when, when we read to the church at Philippi, those set free by the blood of Christ, I picture her. I picture Lydia. I picture that, that jailer. It's for the religious, it's for the demonic, and it's for the irreligious. The jailer. The worst day of the jailer's life. I mean, he had one job. Keep those people in your jail. He couldn't help it. An earthquake. Everybody all of a sudden popped free of, of, of their chains. And so what does he do? He grabs his knife, and it's about ready to be over. He goes, I'd rather kill myself than have the Romans kill me. I will take my life. And Paul says, whoa, yo, whoa, 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 whoa. We're all here. I got a couple more verses to sing, man. I'm just getting warmed up. I mean, Jesus is singing in my heart. I mean, come on, man. I'm just going to keep singing. And the jailer says, I got I, I to gotta know about your Jesus. I got to know how to be saved. I mean, unbelievable that God's going to find a jailer at midnight listening to some guy sing praises to God. And bring him to himself. And it's such a radical transformation uh, that he's saying, man, my, my family's got to heal this. I, I got to show my faith and works. Let me clean you up. Let me bring you, let me bring you to my family. I mean, they got to get this. See, the gospel's for the religious. It's for the irreligious. It's for the demonic. It's the only hope we have. The gospel gives us joy in the journey, lastly. The gospel gives us joy in the journey. Joy that salvation is all from God. Listen, there should produce joy in you. This is amazing grace. When, you, when the mirror tells you you're not good enough, when your spouse reminds you that you've messed it up, when life trips you up, remember that salvation is all from God. Take yourself out of the equation. Get over your continually falling self and look to your spotless Savior and rejoice. Take your eyes off of the pathetic things you keep falling into and fix them on Christ. You're going to get better and you'll find joy. 
Joy that salvation is from God. Joy that salvation is for all. No one is exempt. In the new heavens and new earth, there are going to be those from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. God has chosen for himself sheep from all walks of life. I mean, Jesus is the only hope of the world for those who embrace him or those who don't. He truly is the only savior. And I love what he says. He says, if anyone ever comes to me and any, with faith as a mustard seed, faith as a mustard seed, you come to me, I'll, I'll never drive you away. And scripture also says, the only ones who will ever come will be drawn by the father because they're Jesus' sheep. Joy in the journey That in Christ Jesus, listen, in Christ Jesus, we have the ability in Jesus to be singing at midnight in the prisons of our lives. Singing in the chains. How can we sing in the chains? Because this, no matter where we find ourselves, our God lives. No matter where we find ourselves, we are loved. No matter where we find ourselves, he will complete the story. No matter where we find ourselves, we know that he's going to get us home. And he's going to come with us as we find our way home. That somehow these circumstances, he's got his fingerprints on. But we know that nail-pierced hands wrap themselves around us to remind us that hope and life reign in Christ Jesus. And if God is for us, us who can be against us he's given us a love that won't fail he's given us a love that won't stop he's God and we have the ability to sing in the chains what an amazing God I love the fact he's a covenant God it's for us and for our children our whole households are affected uh, the early service, I loved him. I sat next to my mom who was here singing and my sister from Tallahassee was here and, and my niece. And I just whispered in my mom's ear saying, I know that grandma and grandpa are just rejoicing of a God who loves us and our children and passes it on to their children. We see that in Lydia. We see it in the jailer. Where do you find your joy? How elusive is it? Where are you looking? Do you have joy in the journey? The joy in the journey is only joy in Christ Jesus. Joy in the journey comes from Jesus who would love us enough to leave his father's side and empty all he had but love to come and rescue us. Because Jesus came to seek to save the lost and he found every single one of his. And he's bringing us home. He's never going to let us go, and he's never going to stop loving us. And there is where we find joy in him alone. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, thank you for the amazing joy that is ours in Christ Jesus, that's greater than any of our circumstances. Thank you that in that inner cell, and I'm not even sure what that is, but it sounds like the most secured place, the most the place where the worst people go. There's where Paul and Silas were. They, they, they were shackled, it says, even by their feet. And it's midnight and their backs are torn open with rods. And, 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 they, and they, they're there because of a dream and because you got them there, God. And, and, and Paul's been nothing but faithful and he's followed you every step of the way. And now it's midnight and his back is bleeding And he's singing. He's singing. 
Because he found Jesus. One who he used to persecute now had so changed his life that his circumstances wouldn't define him. Jesus would. Father, I thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ that is powerful enough to have us sing in the chains of our lives that truly sets us free. (laughs) He was free. He might have been in a Roman prison, but he was free because he was free in Christ. Thank you for a gospel that begins and ends with you, God. Thank you for a gospel that will never let us go. Thank you for a gospel that includes Lydia, the religious, the demonic girl, and the irreligious jailer. Thank you that includes me and those in this room. Father, I pray if there's anyone here that doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, that today would be the day that they would be drawn to you And for the rest of us, Father God, fix our eyes on Jesus and give us the joy of your salvation. It's your salvation because it's your gospel. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.